Welcome back to the Poster Spy podcast and the first episode of season two. I'm Jack Woodhams, founder of PosterSpy.com and your host. In today's episode, I'll be chatting with Sam Green, who has seen a rise in popularity among collectors and fans over the past few years. Recently, Bottleneck Gallery released his officially licensed print for the Batman, which sold out almost instantly, and he has a few more licensed prints in the pipeline. Throughout this episode, I chat with Sam about his creative journey, exploring his techniques, inspirations and experiences that have helped his work garner so much attention. Whether you're a seasoned artist or just someone who appreciates studying poster art, you're going to love this episode. If you'd like to support this podcast, you can visit posterspy.com pro. Pro members get extended editions of all of our podcast episodes, and season two will also feature a number of video episodes to watch online. Hi, Sam. Thank you for joining me on the Poster Spy podcast. Hello. Thanks for having me. So I've been familiar with your work for a while now. I'm a big fan of your work and we've we've met in person. You know, I've been following your stuff for a long time now on Poster Spy. But for anybody who's not familiar with your work, tell me a little bit about your style, what you like to do and how you got into the world of alternative movie posters. Yeah, okay. Um, I mean, my style, I don't know. I don't really know how I define my style, to be honest. I guess I, um, I, I try and do sort of painterly rendered stuff. Um, as far as like how I got into it, I think I've like always been drawing, like since I was a kid, I've kind of, um, put all my eggs in one basket to the point where I don't really know what else I would do if it, if it wasn't, you know, drawing or making art or, you know, something like that. Um, and then yeah, posters, like it just sort of came about in like, I, you know, I've always loved movies. I've always loved film posters. They're kind of, you know, a lot of the times they're your first impression of a film and they're kind of an extension of you know, that experience. Um, and I think, yeah, I just, I think, I can't remember. I think it was sort of 2018, 2019. I sort of just started experimenting with my style and literally just started mashing things up and thought, oh, this could be quite cool in, you know, more of a structured poster format. Um, and I did my first, first one was for Avengers Infinity War. I think it was in 2019. Um, and yeah, I just enjoyed it a lot and then decided to just keep trying it and keep trying to refine it. And I very much didn't know what, what on earth I was doing to begin with. Um, and yeah, and I've just been kind of making it up as I go along since. (laughs) Well, you mentioned you didn't really know what you were doing, but obviously you did have some kind of idea. And, you know, if anyone looks at your work, they can see that your designs are quite complex. Your compositions are quite, you know, they're really detailed but how do you personally tackle a movie? So a lot of artists struggle with, oh, I'm going to make a poster for, for this film or whatever. And what they have to do is contain that movie or a scene or something into one still image. Is that something you struggle with? Do you do a lot of concepts before you start posters or do you kind of just go straight? Into so, it? yeah, I actually don't do loads of concepts. I I would always, I've always thought I would like to be that person who does loads and loads of different concepts before settling on one but i kind of just go whether this is right or wrong i just tend to go with like gut instinct so a lot of the time the first concept is usually the one that i follow through with even if i do do other versions and i mean it might evolve i mean it usually evolves a lot by that by the time it gets to the final product but um that first sort of spark or direction is usually what i follow um i think a, a lot of the time i've kind of always gone in with the thought process of like, I'm trying to extend that experience that you see on the screen, right? I'm trying to encapsulate that in an image. And a lot of the times it's sort of, um, trying to sort of live vicariously through the film in, in an image form. I mean, I'd love to make a movie. I do not know the first thing about actual filmmaking. Like I, you know, everybody on Letterboxd likes to think they know exactly how films are made, but I think if, if I was, you know, handed the keys to one of these things, I don't think I'd really know what to do. Um, whereas, you know, a poster is kind of my chance to kind of, um, I don't know, encapsulate a lot of that and, and sort of get inside the, the characters and the themes and things like that and have my way of kind of, um, being part of that, that experience, I guess. So yeah, a lot of it is just through, you know, without sounding really pretentious, a lot of it is just sort of through, through feeling and just, um, gut instinct and just, yeah, just following what feels good to me. I think. I find it really fascinating actually that you said, I'd love to make a movie. 
I feel like 95%, if not more, of the artists in this community are people that would like to make films. Yeah. And maybe they have some design experience, some design skill, some illustration skill. And what they've done is they've taken that interest in making films and made posters with it. Because I actually did film at uni. That's what I wanted to be doing, making short films, real films, you know, whatever. Not the short films aren't real films, but short <laughs> films and feature films. Yeah. Okay, for anybody that goes on Twitter, like, what do you mean not a real yeah. film? Um, and, and I had design as a background. So I did, you know, design at school and stuff and art and a level and then i did film at uni and that was the plan yeah but what i ended up doing was poster spy and and creating my own posters for a, a short amount of time which luckily not many people have seen they weren't very good they were <laughs> i did a lot of sort of minimalist movie posters back when that was like a popular thing yeah and i did like youtube videos sort of you know like the speed arts and stuff and they, they got a lot of views actually and it was when i did those that i was like oh this actually uh people care about this maybe there's actually a community to be made here and, yeah. and people who want to be part of that but that was 10 years ago that was a long time ago you know um you mentioned you've only really been doing it since 2019 do you ever feel like you've sort of having to play catch up with everything else in terms of the styles and trends because there are a lot of artists that have been doing this for a long time yeah yeah and you know like you said, you've only really just been doing it for the last few years, but already you've done, you know, official releases and you've got a lot of interest around your work and even a, a Facebook fan group, which we can touch on later. Um, so it's really interesting that you've, you found this success quite quickly yet haven't been doing it for that long. So yeah, do you feel like you've had to play catch up or, or have you just kind of gone full throttle? I think there's definitely, um, sort of two sides to it i think again that whole instinctive thing like i do always just try and make it work instinctively um but i think there definitely is i mean you look at people like matt ferguson who've been doing this like since he you know the, the inception of like this scene you know if you want to sort of phrase it like that and his style has evolved and he's got work that kind of goes in all these different directions and it's you know so versatile and i think there can be you know, like, uh, sometimes you'll, th there's films that have been, you know, really well represented in the scene, you know, like there's, it's really hard to do something new for Jaws, you know, or really hard to do something new for, you know, Star Wars, Indiana Jones, a lot of that. Um, so yeah, I think there's sometimes is, is a bit of, um, it, I try and avoid that sort of stuff, I think, but it's not because I'm like, necessarily like oh that's been done i think it's just um again it's that instinctive thing like i i tend to approach projects as they pop up to me i think a lot of the time like um obviously client work is different and and license work is different but when i'm making work for me it tends to just be me being interested in something and having a spark in that in some way and then just just going along with it really <laughs> yeah so before you started making movie posters, you actually were the head of design at a children's book publisher. Yeah. Now, yeah. I'd love to know about how the work has varied for you from doing that role to now making alternative movie posters. And in addition to that, do you feel like alternative movie posters is what you want to do from here on out? Or do you feel like it's something you want to experiment with for a while and maybe change into other things? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. So, the uh, yeah, I guess I'll start with the children's book stuff. I mean... That was, yeah, that was, uh, couldn't be further, I think, from a lot of the stuff that I do now. I think that that kind of just came about of, it, I moved to London after uni um, and I was just looking for design work, essentially. Um, and I had a few different design jobs. I worked for this company that did like pop culture t-shirts, which I think in hindsight actually probably did help a little bit in informing, you know, that sort of, pop culture mentality of, of, of work. Like there's certain things that sort of come around in that, in that space. And then, yeah, after that, I, I went and worked for this children's book publisher um, and it was doing like, um, that we actually did licensed children's books. So that was another thing that actually helped where I was dealing a lot with, with license holders and things like that, but it was, you know, Paw Patrol, Dora the Explorer. Uh, we did a bit of Lego, which was quite fun. Um, but it was, um, yeah, I, I started out like illustrating, the books um and there was a lot of like having to stay within brand guidelines and things like that um and making sure that it sits alongside you know their catalog so i think that was definitely useful in terms of like learning um 
you know, working within a, within a license. Um, but in terms of the actual work, yeah, it was, it, I, I don't think it could be any further away from what I, what I do now. And I, and I did the poster stuff alongside that. Um, and it, yeah, it just came to a point where, um, I was fortunate enough to be doing more work within the poster stuff and I couldn't apply enough time to, you know, the children's book stuff. Um, so I decided to let that go and, and do this full time. Um, and then, yeah, as, as far as like doing this forever, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know if my, my answer is kind of clouded by the fact that I, I feel like design and posters and, you know, the creative industries as a whole at the moment couldn't be in a more like turbulent and, and like, um, uncertain time. Um, but I just know that, yeah, I've been drawing since like, uh, as long as I could literally, since I could hold a pencil, um, I've got scrapbooks at my mum's house that like go back to like two years old and it's, and it's all Batman and Power Rangers and Ninja Turtles and, um, random big like a3 drawing of tom jones which is really i don't know where that one came from but um, tom jones <laughs> yeah i don't know very random he must have been on telly one night and i just saw him and and, and drew him but um yeah I, or are you a secret fan yeah, secret tom I jones mean, fan I, I grew up in wales so i think maybe they're you know uh, tom okay. jones is everywhere so um but um yeah so i guess it is just a case of it's you know it's all I know and all I would ever want to do, whether that's in the form of posters specifically, I don't know, but, um, yeah, I've always loved movies, games, TV shows. Um, so I think I would always want to, and, and I think a lot of the time as well, like I'll watch something and if I really love it, there is regardless of if it's for a poster or something, I want to make work inspired by that in some way, you know, um, like I watched, um, police story last night for the first time, Jackie Chan movie. Um, been meaning to see it for ages and it's just incredible and as soon as i finished it there was just so many ideas i was like i just want to make something for this um so yeah i don't know whether that'll be posters specifically forever but um yeah i definitely um i definitely feel like there will always be a, a film element i think in my work um but yeah who knows who knows <laughs> Well, it's, it, pop culture, you know, it always inspires artists in, mm. in different ways. And I always find it interesting talking with artists about this because, you know, as an artist, there's so much you're capable of and you want to do and the ideas that you get. Mm. Do you actually do a lot of stuff that's more sort of original at all? Or is pop culture really your sort of driving force yeah. for, for your so work? I used to do a lot more original stuff, but I think, um, yeah, I think a lot of for for me at least my spark to make stuff again just comes from what inspires me and i think it just happens that film and and media tends to be the thing that inspires me the most i do i do do some sort of more original stuff i don't really tend to sort of share that in with my you know um you know online stuff in the same way um but i think especially before um, like I'd got into posters, I did a lot more of that. And then I think a lot of it is just sort of a time element of, you know, a lot of these projects do take a long time and you need to go at them. I think because they take so much time, you need to go at them with like a level of, um, passion and interest to, to be able to sustain that. And I think that does have the unfortunate side effect of you don't often have the time or maybe energy, I think for, as much original stuff outside of it. But yeah, I mean, original, like not, you know, not based on anything work would be something I probably would enjoy making more of. Um, and maybe that would be something down the line. Um, but yeah, at the moment, I think, yeah, I just, I love making stuff inspired by and, and based on movies and things like that. So yeah. Yeah. And I guess it makes sense. I mean, pop culture does have a fan base, of course. Yeah. And then there's pockets of fan bases within that fan base, you know, depending on what it is you're yeah. creating artwork for. So you mentioned earlier about the design industry. Mm. Art industry is very turbulent at the minute. And I think we both know what you mean by that with, yeah. with AI coming in. How do you feel as an artist about it? I mean, not in the sense of do you like it, do you not? That's yeah. a really simple question to answer, yeah, yeah. I think. But in terms of your career, your life, do you feel like AI is is a problem? Is it something you're just kind of thinking, 
I'm just going to keep doing cool work. I'm not really going to think about it too much. And, you know, if it comes in, steals my job, it will. But if it doesn't, yeah. <laughs> I'll just keep doing my work, yeah. you know? And I, I almost think that's the best way to think at the minute, you know, yeah, just kind of yeah. keep doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that's going to help artists stand out and avoid any issues in terms of like, AI is not going to steal your job if you're consistent, if you're good, if you're easy to work with if yeah. people want to work with you do you know what i mean those yeah, kind of yeah. things are going to help yeah i think there's definitely um sort of elements of like you know if you're making stuff that has you know again i don't want to keep sounding pretentious but like you know if your work has that sort of soul to it you know if it's your your unique perspective on something and it has been made with a level of passion and um personal insight then that is the element that you know the robots can't yet <laughs> replicate you know they can they can take a lot of the aesthetic cues and a lot of the surface level stuff um but there's you know you know more personal stuff and more individual stuff that comes from the artist that the ai can't yet replicate now the issue with that though is Unfortunately, not everybody cares about that. Not everybody cares about things deeper than, um, you know, the superfluous surface level stuff. Not, not everybody cares about things beyond it being a cool image. And that is, I think, unfortunately, why AI has spread so rapidly because a lot of people are like, check how cool this thing is. I can type in these words and I've got this cool thing. And it doesn't really go beyond that. It doesn't really have any soul or personality beyond that because it is just a derivative of things that have come before it. Um, and I think it'll be interesting now to see um, in terms of, you know, big studios and companies where they, where they sit on this, you know, um, I'd like to say that, you know, I, I, I mean, I've worked with clients that in contracts, they are very strict about no AI stuff, no AI tools used at any point in the process of, the product or the art piece that you're making, but it'll be, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, obviously there's all this stuff going on, you know, in Hollywood at the moment and there's, uh, you know, some studios seem to be very for AI because of how they, they feel it can sort of speed up things and make things more efficient. And it's this whole, I think it's all part of this larger thing of, of, you know, content, you know, whether or not, um, certain studios care about whether or not anything has any artistic integrity or personal voice um, because their priority is maybe just putting out content. And again, it comes back to that, you know, here's a cool thing. And, you know, there's going to be, there's going to be a proponent of people who that's all they care about. They just want a cool thing. Um, but I guess you just need to have hope that there's always going to be people that want want deeper than that. And I do think people want deeper than that. Um, but I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how the next few years shake out, I think. Um, and I think we just have to hope that there's people who are interested enough in actual, you know, artwork, you know, be that film or posters like what we do, but, um, that are made with, with, you know, human input. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that answered the question, but that yeah, was no, it did. It did. <laughs> I, I think you know the the biggest issue we're facing is, like you said, it's it's the interest in uh, making things fast and mm. the interest in making things cheap. Yeah, which I think, to be honest, is the only two things that sums up AI. Yeah. To be quite honest, yeah, and I find it really infuriating that. <laughs> that studios and, you know, companies are trying to paint it any different from that. It's like, you're not trying to do anything groundbreaking. You're just trying to save money and you're just trying to save time. Yeah. That is it. If you try and use it as any other, you know, oh, we, no, no, we're trying to do this. No, you're not. There is <laughs> no other reason to use it because a human being can do it maybe a bit slower but probably a lot better. But I think as well, like the main thing is fundamentally by its nature, like the way it works is it is just derivative of things that came before it. It just regurgitates amalgamations of things that came before it. So you just can't have new and fresh things. Like you can have things that again, appear on a surface level to be new and, in, and, and 
not interesting, definitely not, but appear new and, you know, cool. Um, but again, they're just, they're not, there's, there's nothing beyond that surface level thing that it's just retreads of things that came before it. And eventually it's, is it just going to be this cycle of content sludge, you know, it's horrible. Well, that's what I tried to say to artists, you know, you know, running posts by, I get a lot of messages and I get a lot of tweets and, and people saying, you know, or X's, are they called that now? Stupid. Anyway, I get a lot of uh, messages from artists worrying about their sort of future and, and, and the scene. And we're seeing statistically less people, uh, you know, thinking of as design for a career, which is really quite sad. Um, and the thing I always say is, if you have a unique sort of voice to your work, or not even just that. If you if you just have something that you're passionate about, That's that you're it. clearly you know interested in, and you're good at it, I don't think you ever have to worry about AI. I mean, it's like the same thing with writers. So I did this experiment a while ago. I did a few like articles with ChatGPT, right, just to see one if anybody noticed, and two how they actually came out. They were terrible. Yeah, I, I did a follow up article just saying, look, this 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 thing sucks. Like. <laughs> If you want quick content, like you said, it's mm. it's pretty good. Yeah. But there's so much that you have to tweak because the way it writes things, and it's the same for artwork. I mean, I saw a, a, a tweet that I retweeted today, and it was a similar situation. Someone was like, "Oh, I did this AI art piece, but it took me, you know, three thousand attempts to get the prompt right, or whatever." And it's yeah. like, if you're gonna take that long doing it, yeah, yeah. just get someone to do it right. Yeah. It's yeah. like it's like the old saying, you know, about you know, if you can't do something, do it yourself, whatever. Whatever the saying is, you know, yeah. saying, you <laughs> yeah, know what I, I mean? Yeah, something like you know? that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want something done, um, do it yourself. Yeah, yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah, mine was, I don't know what the hell I was thinking of. Anyway, so, <laughs> but yeah, it, that that phrase, because the reality is, if you rely on something else to do what you want, you're never really going to get the result. Yeah. Um, and AI, I think, fits that perfectly because yeah. you are just trusting your idea to some computer that yeah. goes, oh, I think I know what you mean by this. Here it is. Yeah. And, 99% of the time it's wrong. Yeah, it's always um, just a loose approximation of of what it is interpreting you're putting into it. But but this is what I don't get. It, it, if there's so much that you have to pull from it and and you know, re-explain and and do it over and over and over again, you're not saving any time. So no, now yeah. we take out the bit where you save time and yeah. then it is just about saving money. Yeah, for sure. Which is again pretty sad yeah. you know that yeah, that's absolutely. how companies are going and we, we know that these companies they only really care about their profits yeah um but at the end of the day if you you're gonna see ai stuff and it just looks terrible i mean we've all seen the secret invasion intro like it doesn't yes. look good it's horrible um yeah if that's what you're happy to put out there and you think people are gonna you know be all right with it and you're gonna try and pass it off fine but your product's and well, I say products, but you know, your films, your TV yeah. shows, whatever are going to get consistently yeah. worse and worse. Yeah. And people are going to notice it and people aren't going to like it. And I think that, you know, it's interesting talking to an artist who, you know, you've mentioned that AI doesn't really bother you too much because no. you're just going to keep on doing what you do. You've got your unique style. And I think that's such an important message to get across to people listening to this, that don't be afraid by AI, you know, yeah. just keep doing what you're doing. And and that's it. I think I think the biggest issue for a lot of artists is if they were already struggling to get work. Yeah. This just feels like yet can, another yeah, can thing. Definitely you know? demeaning. It's an extra obstacle to to move around. But yeah, it's it, you know, if if you're doing this stuff because you love it and you're passionate about it, then just carry on doing it. Um and try not to be bothered by these external things because at the end of the day, the thing that makes your work unique is the fact that you love it and you're passionate about it. And so that should just be the important thing. So you should just keep doing that. Um, and that is what sets you apart from AI. And if you are doing that, then hopefully you shouldn't have to worry about AI in, in that sort of way. I completely agree. And one thing I want to touch on though, so we'll move away from the AI, AI subject because we all, we all hate it. We don't need to go on about any longer about how much we hate it. Right. Um, you mentioned on your website that Batman was one of the first things you remember drawing. Yeah. 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 So I, I want to touch on the fact that now you've actually done an officially licensed mm. Batman piece. Yeah. How does that make you feel as an artist? And not just that, how did that even come about in the first place? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, since I was a kid, like I just always gravitated towards Batman. I grew up watching, you know, the animated series with 
you know, Kevin Conroy as Batman. And I just, I loved it. I've just always loved Batman as a character. Um, and I just never really grew out of it. <laughs> um, and I just, I love how he's so rife for reinterpretation. And there's, you know, I don't, there's definitely been better and worse interpretations of the character, but I feel like they're all valid and they all, you know, touch upon a different aspect of what makes that character interesting. And I think that's why he has the the test of time. And yeah, I just have always, always drawn him. And I think I, I'd been speaking to Bottleneck for a while um, about things and, um, you know, the, the Batman movie, the, the Matt Reeves, Robert Pattinson movie had, had come out and I loved it. Um, and it was a lot of um, things that I'd wanted to see in a Batman movie for a long time. Um, and so, yeah, we decided to put it out to sort of coincide with the, with the one year anniversary of the movie. Um, and yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd actually had that idea, um, for that poster again, like going back to earlier when, when I say about how I kind of tend to just lead with that first concept, um, I'd actually got like a, a there's a little scrap of paper somewhere that I'd seen, uh, it was one of the trailers actually. And I just had this idea and I just scribbled it out, um, and then I iterated on that and it became, actually became the poster that sort of came out in the end. It wasn't actually too far away from it. Um, and yeah, it just, again, it's that thing of, it was just led by, um, I just, I just loved the movie and I wanted to, uh, put that out onto a, into a still image and just try and encapsulate everything that excited me about that and put it into a, into a poster. And yeah, I was really happy with it when it came out. Um, and yeah, like it's, you know, it's amazing working on, on something that's, you know, officially part of the Batman mythos, even if it's just in some, you know, tiny way. Now it is a really cool poster as well. I mean, Thank I've you. shared it a few times and people do seem to engage really well with it. Thanks. Yeah. And you mentioned that you'd been speaking to Bottleneck for a while. Mm. So how did that come about? Did they just see your work on online and just sort of messaged you or yeah, how did that come just, about? We'd just been chatting on, like on Instagram, really. I mean, okay. I'd... I had gone through a period of time of like reaching out to, to companies and things like that, um, earlier than this. Um, and you know, to mixed results, you know, um, and then I was literally just chatting with them on Instagram one day. Uh, I think I re replied to one of their stories and we just got talking and, and we're like, let's do something. And it just sort of went from there. It was just a very natural organic process. Um, and like I say, I'd already had this kind of idea for, a Batman piece and we talked about different things that could, could work. And I said, well, I've got this idea that I've been wanting to execute. Um, and they were like, yeah, let's do it. And it was just very, yeah, it was just a very natural, easy process. So, so there yeah. you go. The power of social media. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because I always ask on these podcasts to artists who have done gallery stuff, like, how did that come about? And it, it, the answer always seems to be Slide ridiculous. So much easier than <laughs> what I expect to hear. Yeah. And I think it's good, though, for a lot of artists who want to get into that and maybe work with galleries to know that yeah. it might just come about from a quick message, a quick yeah, DM, sure. you know, because... I think for a lot of artists doing something for bottleneck, you know, I'm a big fan of bottleneck. I've got yeah, hundreds of their prints in, in, in my office over there. Yeah. And, um, it's, it's, you know, I, I think they're great. And to be able to get that collaboration so easily, yeah. I think for a lot of artists is like, will be mind blowing when they hear this. Yeah. When they're like, what? You literally just messaged them? a lot. You just I, replied to a story and got a job. Yeah. I mean, a lot <laughs> of my work has literally just been from chatting with people. Like, again, like that is one of the good things about social media. And I think this scene in particular is, you know, everybody does seem to kind of know each other in some way. And, you know, it's not too many degrees of separation to speak to people, you know, who are involved directly in putting this stuff out. And so, yeah, there's been, I've, I've had a bunch of things where it's just been chatting with somebody casually and it's like, let's do something, you know? Um, and you know, there's stuff sort of on the horizon that's coming up that has come about just because I was just, you know, replying to a story or they were commenting on a post or something like that. And it just kind of goes from there. I would say like, you know, there is an element of you, you know, if you keep putting work out there, hopefully you'll be seen and, and noticed by these people. But I would say like, don't be afraid to put yourself out there as well. I think sometimes there's a bit of a, uh, I don't want to say stigma, but there's this sort of you, you know, you don't want to be approaching people, but I think it's fine. Like just, if you want to work with people, just say, Hey, I, I, I love your stuff. I'd love to work with you. And I think it doesn't need to always be this scary thing. You know, if you like making what you like making, they make 
you know, what you like, you know, speak to them. It's, it's as simple Well, the as worst that, thing you can ever get is a no, right? Yeah, that's it. It's either they don't reply or you get a no or, you know, or that's it. You know, it's not, it's not going to be detrimental. You know, being passionate about something and wanting to make more of that isn't ever a bad thing. You did mention how uh, when you sent this concept for Batman to Bottleneck, they were kind of just like, yeah, this is cool. Let's go with it. Yeah. I actually just want to ask you how that process worked. I mean, do they have any sort of uh, feedback for you on that piece or did they just kind of run with whatever ideas you had? Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's like a very mechanical thing. So I think their license doesn't cover the, um, like you're not allowed to put like a billing block, you know, the cast and credits and things like that. There was that because that was on my original sketch. So that was one of the first bits of feedback. It was, you can't have this there. Is that okay? And I was like, that's fine. Um, and then they sent it to Warner Brothers. Um, they didn't, Bottleneck themselves didn't have any further notes other than you can't have a billing block. And then they sent it to Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers then sent it back with, I think um, they said I couldn't have Gotham Gazette visible on the, as, as the newspaper thing. Um, and then I actually put it in anyway and they were fine with it so um <laughs> <laughs> let's hope they don't listen to this podcast yeah I mean, they're gonna be coming back like what, the, what you, how did you do that yeah no I, d- I did come back to them and be like i've put it in and it this is how it appears in the movie and i've tried to be faithful to it and i think they were like oh, okay that's fine then um so yeah it, it really was just a case of like a mechanical thing i didn't actually i didn't actually get any feedback in terms of like likeness or anything like that there was no um, no sort of you can't do this or this needs to be different I think I was very fortunate in this one where they just kind of let me do my thing I guess you know maybe they saw you know that I was you know passionate about it and it, and where it was sort of coming from um, and just sort of let me do my thing so but there have been other cases where I've worked on other licensed things and there's maybe a little bit more um back and forth. So on the Air Force One steelbook that I did um, for the anniversary of that movie, um, that film is from the 90s and Harrison Ford has quite big hair in that film, right? He's got quite a a bushy head of hair in that movie. And um, there was a little bit of back and forth over how that that hair was represented. Just, how, how, bush, how bushy it should be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think my first draft was fairly uh, faithful, let's say, to the to the bushy hair. Um, but we iterated on it and, and reined it in. But um, yeah, beyond that, it, 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 usually it's basically mechanical things like you can't have a billing block. This logo needs to be represented in this way or it's just... Um, tweak this so that the actor is, is happy with it. You know, I mean, a lot of... Um, uh, uh, there's there's some actors and and people out there who do personally sign off on their you know their likeness or their team personally signs off on it um and so in cases like that sometimes you just have to be a bit more specific um but um yeah in terms of feedback for me personally those have been the the sort of main things i've kind of encountered so far at least with the with the process but yeah has there ever been a project that's come back sort of over and over and over again and then hasn't actually gone ahead? Uh, no, fortunately, I haven't experienced that. I think the the most revisions I've ever had to really do was on Harrison Ford's hair. I think I did three passes on his hair and that was it. Um, but I haven't, <laughs> luckily, I haven't had anything else quite as intensive as, as that. It was... I think I had a note come back like after the the first draft and they were like, really sorry, the hair's just still too big. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And I, I literally, I opened it up like in, in Photoshop and got it alongside the other one. And I was like, yeah, it's, it's pretty accurate. He's got a pretty big head of hair, but in the end, I just really reined it in for him. But um, yeah, luckily I haven't had anything too, um, you know, too strenuous that then ends up falling through. No, nothing like that. Luckily, touch wood, hopefully. <laughs> Don't have anything like that anytime soon. Well, as you've done more and more client work, has there been a particular project that's really challenged you compared to any others? Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I suppose challenge kind of comes from all different things. I think there's definitely challenges in terms of executing an idea. Um, there's been stuff where I've tried to do things a little bit more different to how I would have done them normally, um, you know, change up the style or, or things like that. Um, like the poster I did for Elton John's tour, um, was a little bit of a deviation, I think from stuff that I'd done. Obviously it was still very sort of, um, 
based on like a likeness and that whole portrait element. But I think in terms of like color palette and design and things like that, it was quite different. And that was one where I, that was one where I actually did go against my usual thing of being like set on that first concept. I, I'd done it, uh, done a concept that I thought was a winner. And there was again, mechanical reasons for why I couldn't go ahead with it. It was things like, you know, Elton's, um, likeness stipulations are actually very, very stringent um, on what you can portray him as um, and, you know, certain settings and how he looks and things like that. Um, so, you know, I was using like a, a, a modern day picture of him as my as my reference and that wasn't allowed and things like that. So I actually had to go back to the drawing board on that one. Um, and there was a point where I was, I in, in myself was like, oh, this this is the idea though. So I I... I'm confident in this. And then I ended up having to go through this whole process again and kind of trust myself to just let go of that and go through the process again. And in the end, I think the poster that actually came about is so much stronger than that first one. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with it. But that 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 process of being, it was, yeah, it was more of a mental challenge towards myself of being able to let go of something that I thought was, was a winner. Um, but yeah, I think it, it worked out in the end. But yeah, and then in t- otherwise, challenges usually come from time. I think quite a lot of the time you'll get a project will come up and they need it soon. Um, and that can be fine in terms of just the work, but then it's that coupled with, you know, what they need from it, approvals, things like that. Um, that, that Batman piece with Bottleneck, um, I guess, was also a challenge in the, the timeline Um for when it actually did come about um, to when it was released, I didn't actually have loads of time. So I actually pulled that one out quite quickly. Um, but it was just, yeah, it was a lot of long, long, long days <laughs> um, and achy wrist, just painting everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the challenge you mentioned in the sense of um, letting certain ideas go mm. is a big thing for a lot of artists. Yeah. And especially new artists who aren't, that familiar with working for clients or working with people. Mm. I mean, I've worked with artists that can be, I don't want to say difficult, but mm. once you start actually giving them feedback or, or saying, you know, this doesn't work or could yeah. you maybe try this, there is an element of like, they put the guard up a little bit and they're like, Whoa, yeah. no, no, it has to be like this. For sure. And sometimes, you know, it might not just be an opinion of, of like a client. It might be because of rules, like you mentioned, yeah. uh, you know, likeness issues. How do you find getting past that? I mean, obviously you said that you kind of just had to do it and you, just to crack on with the work, but is there a certain, I don't know, angle you have to take where it takes you a while to get into that frame of mind to set, to let those ideas go? Or how, how do you approach that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's tricky. I think, um, I, you know, I guess what I, what I said about the whole Elton thing of having to let go of that first concept does kind of contradict what I was saying before about my process, right? Like I try and just follow my gut. So it can be a big challenge when that initial gut instinct isn't actually right. Um, but you just need to, um, not to use the phrase, trust, trust the process, cause it's a very overused <laughs> phrase, but you do kind of have to trust yourself. The process. Your, yeah, exactly. You have to trust <laughs> it's going to be the title of this podcast. Trust <laughs> oh, the process. God, please now. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> Click cliche title. <laughs> <laughs> but you do have to sort of have a level of trust in yourself to be able to know that you can deliver what you need to deliver. And you need to just understand that it's not always a straight line to that goal. And there is going to be things that don't work and you need to be, um, allow yourself to be humbled by it, I think, and, and not have, um, the stubbornness to be like, no, this is, this is what's right. You need to listen to whether it's an approval or what, you know, like a, a license approval thing, or whether it is an opinion, you need to allow yourself to be open to that because, um, otherwise you are just going to get so narrow in your, in your process that, um, it's, it's just going to get, um, wooden and you need to, you need to allow outside influences and opinions in and, and, you know, that's not to say you should be shaped by that because I definitely don't think anybody wants work that's, you know, designed by committee, but you definitely just need to allow yourself to be malleable. I think in the process, I think that's the thing you need to, um, even if you do go with that first idea or that first spark, you need to be flexible enough to allow it to kind of morph and shift and change along the way. 
Well, I think as well, when it comes to working with clients, it's a much more collaborative process. Yeah. It's not just, you know, you create work and it will just get signed off straight away and then that's it. Happy yeah. days. There's always going to be an element of getting some kind of feedback. If you're working with an art director, for example, the same sort of thing, you're definitely going to be getting feedback from them. Yeah. Because it's basically their job to do that. Sometimes I, I mean, like you, that, you know, though. you know, like, I yeah, think, I think there's times where, especially if it's a project that you have been approached with and it's not necessarily something that you've initiated, you want that, that guidance and that information, because that is what is sort of steering that ship at the beginning. And, um, and it's, it's definitely more useful to have feedback and, and insight on what they want, um, the final thing to be. Um, and you know, it's all information at the end of the day. Like if you're making a piece because you're, you know, super inspired by something, you're absorbing your information in your own way. But if somebody's coming to you with something, you know, that information and that feedback is just as important. Well, that's part of the reason I love doing what I do with Post Spy. So, you know, we do the official commissions now and being able to actually work with artists one-to-one, -one, yeah. give them some ideas or feedback on their work. It's a really fun process for me. I mean, I'm past probably the days of, of becoming an illustrator at this point. You know, I've, I've, I've probably lost the skill. I mean, I still like to draw when I can in my spare time and stuff, but I feel like my qualities are definitely more with giving advice and feedback and, you know, get, yeah, and, and helping an artist get to a certain point, especially when you're working with an artist who might not be super confident or might worry about their, you know, ability to, to do something. I've worked with an artist before. I'm not going to name drop or, or, or mention the project, but I did have worked with an artist before where they were really worried about the project and actually something quite personal had happened in their life and they were feeling like they just couldn't do it. They wouldn't have the energy. And, you know, I kind of got back to them and I said that you can, you can step away from this if you want to, but I think this will be really good for you. Um, not just to sort of help you mentally get not over, but get look past what is going on in, you know, in your personal life. Yeah. But also I think you have so much to give to this project. And in the end, the artist was super happy with, you know, what we did and the client was really happy with it. And I think actually that's a really standout career piece for them. So being able to work with an artist like that and help them, I'd love to be able to do that. And, but knowing that I can is, is a really nice thing. And knowing that those artists are receptive to feedback and collaboration is, is really nice as well. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's important as well because that is one of the challenges I think in this specific sort of scene is that there's not really that many resources or, you know, things of guidance out there. Um, and beyond, you know, things like post the spy and asking other artists, like it, it can be hard to sort of figure out how to sort of navigate this stuff. So yeah, I think it's key, you know, having that that guidance and that push. Building on that uh, conversation about collaboration, you recently did a collaboration yes. for Barbenheimer. Mm. Tell me a bit about that because that's a really cool piece, but for anybody who's not seen it. Yeah, so it was, uh, I did it with Lisa Shumska, um, AKA Kino Maniac. Um, she's an artist that I've, I've spoke to loads over the years. Um, and I've always just been really like into her work. I think she's just like, she just makes really cool stuff and she's really versatile. Um, you know, I, I love how she can go from sort of portrait stuff to like really sort of concept heavy stuff and minimal stuff. Um, and I think she definitely kind of reminds me a little bit of like Akiko Sterenberger in that, you know, in that respect, how she can do the, the painterly stuff and the conceptual stuff in, in equal skill level. Um, and yeah, like I said, we we had been speaking and I DM'd her and was like, let's do a collaboration. Like, would you be up for like just making something? And, and we very much were like, we don't know what it is that we would do, but let's do something. Um, and we were chatting about a bunch of movies that we liked. Um, and then it just kind of became obvious. I was like, oh yeah, the Barbenheimer is coming up and the, the biggest trend of the yeah, so <laughs> of 2023. Kind of, it was actually kind of annoying, right? Because when we first were talking about it, it hadn't blown up to this like global thing that it was. It was, it was still a couple of months before, before the movies came out. And, um, I think the, the only real like point of reference we had was this Barbenheimer t-shirt that somebody had made like right at the beginning. That was literally the two logos spliced together. Um, and I put that in our, in our chat and I was like, let's do something like this, but a poster. Um, and immediately we were like, yeah, that would be cool. And she had already done, um, a Barbie piece a while back, this really cool one of them, um, sort of 
the doll, like as dolls in, in the box. Um, and so I just said, well, you've kind of already touched on Barbie in a way. So maybe you do Oppenheimer, um, so that you're doing something that you haven't done already. So you're not retreading any ground for you. Um, and I think for me, I guess a lot of my stuff is, um, you know, <laughs> for better or worse, I, I do do a lot of stuff that is very, you know, you know, Batman and superheroes and things like that. And it would be fun for me to try something that maybe is, you know, a bit of a different angle, you know, bright pink, you know, I don't, <laughs> I haven't got a lot of bright pink work. Um, and I think that's just a really fun sort of playground to explore. Like it's not, it's fun doing stuff that you don't usually do, you know? Um, so yeah, we just chatted about that, um, about what we were going to do. Um, she had the idea about the glasses reflecting, um, each other, like it, reflecting like a scene. And then we talked about it reflecting each other's sort of world, you know? Um, and yeah, and then that was it. It was just very much like, a we just chatted the way through it. We were like, this would be cool. This would be cool. I put together a little mood board of like the, the inspo that we talked about. And then, yeah, again, it was just a very organic process. And then we just went off and, and painted it and, and put it together and yeah. And people seem to really like it. Um, the only annoying thing is, like you say, <laughs> everybody was putting out Barbenheimer stuff at the time. That it's we a good thing. It That's a good thing, though. Surely, <laughs> yeah, no, you know, it was able wave, to get a bit know? more traction. Yeah, yeah. 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 It, it would be worse if actually that ended up becoming nothing. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> and then you, you'd, you'd spent time on this piece and Barbenheimer. Yeah. Like, what was that? I don't usually <laughs> think it's a good idea to like chase trends and things like that because, you know, like you say, you can have the thing where you pour a bunch of time into something and being like, right, this is going to be the zeitgeist. And it really isn't. And it's, uh, and it can be, you know, it can feel like a waste of time. Um, so yeah, it's good that there definitely was this, this explosion. Um, but it was just funny that when we, when we'd started it, it really wasn't a thing yet. And then by the time we put it out, it was everywhere. But I think that was, that was also quite fun, you know, like being in amongst this craze that was going on and everybody was, it was cool just seeing everybody very creatively invigorated by something and wanting to make work, you know? Um, and I just, I think that's really fun and exciting and it, it was fun. It was good. Well, I think people liked it. I mean, I shared it on LinkedIn and one of the marketing people at Warner did actually see it. So oh, really? Oh, cool. sweet. Yeah, Thanks. yeah. <laughs> nice, right? <laughs> I tried to do what I can. Yeah. <laughs> do you think you'll do more collaborations in the future? Do you think? Yeah, I'd like artists? to. I think it was a really fun thing. And like, like we were saying earlier about this whole, you know, being open to feedback and, and things like that. That's something that I actually would love to do more of, you know, sometimes making, making artwork and things like that can be quite a singular experience. And, you know, it's fun collaborating on things. It's fun bouncing ideas off of each other, but, you know, even fun aside, like it, it can just be a, a breeding ground to push yourself and push each other to make, you know, exciting things. Um, so yeah, I'd love to do more collaborations. So, yeah, uh, you know, if you're out there, anybody wants to do anything, hit me up. We'll, we'll see what works. So a couple of community questions I did okay. ask on, on Twitter, uh -huh. um, you know, if anyone had any questions for you, I think that there were a few, uh, there weren't too many questions. Maybe people are a little bit, you know, people are scared shy. or a bit shy, you know, <laughs> to ask questions. That's fine. We'll, we'll, we'll make this a recurring thing this season. Hopefully people okay. feel a little bit more, you know, yeah. you get loads of questions by the end of the season, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Um, the whole, the last episode will just be community questions. Yeah. I can just sit back and not do anything. <laughs> Michael Dons has asked, I've always wanted to know how he comes up with these compositions. They look so cool. And you've kind of touched on composition already and how yeah. you do get to it. But I guess if there's anything else you could sort of explain about your, your process with composition, uh, yeah. it'd be great for him. Okay. Yeah. I, I wish all of my answers weren't just that I'm making it up as I'm going along because I really am. Like I really am just making all of this up as I go along. I'm just following instinct and just going with what feels right. But I think there's, there is, uh, in terms of composition, like for posters, I think there is an instinct to try and avoid, you know, the floating head stuff. I think that has a bit of a stigma. I actually don't hate the floating head stuff. I know people, you know, have, have opinions of it. I try and avoid it in my work. I've only done it in, posters I think a few times um but I think yeah the main thing is you just need to be aware of visually you know what the hierarchy is in terms of what is the focal point what and what is the message that you're trying to convey what is the mood that you're trying to convey and work outwards from that I think going and just trying to 
you know, slap images together doesn't necessarily always work. I think it's you, you know, like using that Batman piece for it, for example, the composition for that, I tried to approach it sort of um, in universe, right? So I try to, you know, like we were saying earlier, I try to live vicariously through these these things, these films or whatever. Yeah, it's it like is. you're you're telling a story with the artwork exactly, rather than it yeah. just being yeah. whatever you think fits. Exactly. I don't want to be separate from it when I'm making work. I want to be part of it. And with that poster, I wanted it very much to be um this 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 narrative and this sort of try and create this tangible thing. So with that one, like all of the elements are actually drawn at one-to-one scale. So the idea is that when that's on the wall, you know, there's masking tape on the poster, there's Polaroid photos on the poster. If you have those objects in real life and you put them up against the poster, they should continue to scale. So you could pin a Polaroid photo over the Polaroid photo on the print and it should align. And the idea was very much for that, that it was taken out of that world. It was this this crazy evidence board yeah, you know, with all of the things, the clippings and 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 writings and scribbles, the idea is it is literally taken off of the wall from within that universe. You could theoretically stick that up, and it could continue outwards and be part of that film, but also needing to read as a poster and needing to have that visual hierarchy and that hook of this is a Batman poster, so Batman needs to be conveyed right, and the world needs to be conveyed. The characters need to be you know, brought through, through the, through the poster. Um, so it was just, it's that kind of juggling process. Um, <coughs> excuse me, but, um, yeah, I think a lot of the time it is just trying to get your head into that world and how you tra- basically translating from your head, how you view that world and how you want to get that out onto the page. Um, and yeah, it can, it can take all, all sorts of forms. Um, and I don't know if that's really answered the question, but... Um. Yeah, that was great. I did not <laughs> yeah. know that about the, the Polaroid the and the tape. So it's actually to scale. That's cool. Yeah. So I actually went and made like each element as its own thing. So like the Polaroids, to use them as an example again, like they're each individually painted and rendered at scale. So they're actually all... You could theoretically print them out and they are little Polaroid pieces. Um, I probably should have mentioned that to bottleneck a bit more specifically. That could have been a cool little thing to stick in the tubes. Um, but um, yeah, so th- I actually have like uh, just a bank of these assets where it's like the newspaper, for example, is uh, a newspaper print size, which meant that you run into the issue of the text is going to be visible, right? Because it's at scale and you can see text on a newspaper in real life. So you would be able to see it on this poster. Um so I wrote parts of news articles that you can see on the poster. So if you if you go up to it, there's a a bit about you know the penguin at the at the funeral that's in the film, um, and I wrote part of this news article so that it would appear on this poster and it would all be in universe. And then that also actually comes with its own set of challenges that you also have to think about. Insofar as right, I want this to be taken from this world, right? This this exists in this film and I'm t- translating it to the real world. So there is also now a timeline element, right? So when in that world does this poster exist? Um, so the nothing on the poster takes place later than the Batmobile car chase with the penguin um, on the highway. Um, that is chronologically as far as that poster goes. So all of the news clippings that exist around the poster um, don't don't mention anything beyond that point. And the there's a speed camera printout of the Batmobile zooming down the highway. Um, and the date on it, ex- it, it, co- it coincides with the date of when that takes place in the film. And I approximated the time. I think I said it was like around one in the morning. Um, the, even the coordinates on that, as if it's, you know, got sort of, you know, Google Maps coordinates are from my approximation of where that exists. So in the film, it takes place on like the East, uh, it's like the East Gotham highway or something like that. So I was like, right, well, the real world approximation for that would be, you know, the East 
New York highway or, you know, or whatever. So the coordinates on that, if you punch them into Google maps actually will bring you to a, an approximate highway in New York. So yeah, I tried to think of all of these details in universe so that it's, you know, it's bulletproof. You can look at it and it, and you can pick, you can pick real deep and hopefully it all aligns right down to the thickness of the masking tape that is used as the border should be the same thickness as, as masking tape in real life. <laughs> this is crazy. This is like a real conspiracy theory on your own poster. I love like Easter eggs in things, you know, I, th I think because they, they kind of tell the reader that, hey, I know you're paying attention to this and I know you're getting something extra from this. Um, but also like I... I, I find it really, you know, it can be irritating when you're looking at something and you're a fan of it and you know, a detail isn't, isn't accurate, you know, and whether that's, you know, in like a comic book thing, right. To keep it within the realm of comic book stuff. Let's say there's a poster of a comic book thing and somebody's costume isn't actually how it appeared in that movie or something like that. Things like that bug me because it's like, I don't know. I like to always produce stuff with a level of care and like affection for these things. And I care about these things enough to make sure that I get them right and, and, uh, you know, uh, represent them correctly. Like that, that's just how it is important to me. I mean, I, I, I want to do that. And I think sometimes it's a good thing. Sometimes, uh, you can get super obsessed with these little details that nobody's going to notice. Like, I don't know how many you people say that. You say that, but I've, I've known of posters in groups on Facebook, like community groups that it would be a poster for like a movie, like you said, and there will be a costume that is wrong and maybe it's a slightly different logo of something, or maybe the, the, the colors slightly off and there will be people in that group that will not buy that. Print yeah. I mean, it can just be because of that, especially like with these things when they're like, they're supposed to be that distillation of your love for something or the creator's love for something. You, you know, you want to make sure it's right. You wouldn't, you wouldn't put up a, a family photo, you know, up on, on your wall in your house. And, you know, one of the people in it is wrong. You know, it's like, this is supposedly my sister, but actually it's, it's not my sister. It's a, it's a wrong interpretation. You know, it's, it just isn't that, that thing anymore. So you just wouldn't go ahead with it. You know, at least that's how I view it. I like to just make sure everything's faithful and, um, made with that level of, I think, respect for what that thing is and making sure that I'm being true to it. Um, that's, yeah, that's, that's at least important to me. I think when I make, when I make this stuff, but like I say, I don't know how many people know all of that stuff about, about that Batman poster. I don't know how many people know that if you look in close, there's, there's little bits, uh, that uh, like written in biro that the Riddler has, has scrawled on there that are written in his alphabet that you can translate to things. I don't know if people even know that that stuff's on there, but to me, it's, it's important. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, and that's, that's kind of the stuff that I love to do when I make this stuff is to really like get into, into that, into that world and, and kind of inhabit these characters for a little bit, you know, even if that's just me translating them to, to paper, you know. We do have another question from okay. Hayley Turnbull. Uh, I'm not sure how you can answer this. Okay. She's asked you, can you please ask Sam what it's like to be so great at everything? <laughs> Inquiring minds want to know. Yeah, I mean... I mean, I feel like you've, you've kind of uh, prefaced this with all this detail about the Batman poster. I mean, I think she's right here, you know? <laughs> you, you're clearly very uh, attentive and, uh, you know... Yeah, I mean, it's very it's very kind. Um, I don't... Yeah, I don't know. It's necessarily uh, a true assessment. But yeah, I think, it, like like we were just saying, it is just... I really care about these things um, and I really care about my work and because I've, I think because I've been doing it my whole life and I don't know anything otherwise, um, I can't not, you know, just get obsessed with it and can't not get really into it. Um, and so I think, you know, hopefully people respond to that and people like that and people, people get enjoyment from it. And um, yeah, I, I think I just... I get obsessed with it and hope that other people will too. <laughs> and we've got one more, one more question. It's mm -hmm. kind of split. Well, it's not split into two. There's two questions, but okay. by one person. Okay. So Phil Shelley has asked you, how long does a piece take? And also what brushes do you like using? Okay. Um, hi, Phil. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think in terms of how long a piece takes, this is something I've been trying to kind of rein in a little bit because you know, especially when you're 
getting obsessed with these details, um, you can end up sort of spending hours and hours and hours on things. Um, I think those Batman posters probably that, that Batman poster, sorry, it probably took me somewhere between hundred and 200 hours, um, all in, which is a long time. Um, but then there's, there's other things like there's a poster that I've done for the, the last of us TV series that just sort of started as like a fan art essentially, um, that I tried to execute with some different methods and still have that, you know, there's still stuff where if you zoom in, there's little references and things like that hidden in there. Um, and I think that one took me like maybe 35 hours or so. Um, that that's the kind of blessing and a curse of working on procreate primarily is that logs your time. Um, and you can see how long everything takes. And sometimes it can be like, there's, there's some stuff that I did recently, you know, during that time that I talked about earlier, where I, I used to do a lot of like comic book stuff, like before all of this thing. And I, you know, now I do a lot of stuff that relies on like reference and likeness, but I used to do a lot of stuff that was just drawing comic book characters and things like that off the top of the head. And I've tried to kind of go back to that in for some parts of my work and apply the stuff that I do from the posters. Um, and you know, that requires a different type of thought process. And there's been stuff where I've been like, I'm 15 hours into this and it doesn't look any different than it did 10 hours ago, you know, and that can then really kill your momentum. So sometimes I wish Procreate didn't tell me how long I've spent on something, but, um, and there yeah. is an upside to it though. Yeah. Once you've logged 10,000 hours, you're like officially a master at <laughs> yeah. it, right? You, you can be like yeah. master illustrator yeah. or, or your Twitter girlfriend's or really sick of you just always being on the iPad <laughs> and she's, yeah. Um, but no, uh, but then, yeah, I guess speaking of, speaking of Procreate, like in terms of brushes, I actually, um, I've been really basic with brushes. I used to paint in Photoshop and I would basically just use like the default Photoshop brushes. Um, and I'm kind of the same in Procreate. I more or less, there's a, there's a 6B pencil in Procreate that I started with, and that's just one of the built-in ones. And over time, I've just tweaked the settings to taper a bit more to how I like it, to be a bit fatter at its thickest and have a bit more grain. Um, and I pretty much just use that for everything. Um, although I did recently buy the, um, the Max Packs, um, like oil, oil brushes. Um, and I've done a few pieces with that since. Um, and that, um, ha again, has kind of opened up a little avenue in and of itself because you have to work in a very different way with them. And I, and one of the processes that they encourage with in using those brushes is like an underpainting, you know, as if you are painting on canvas. So this kind of sepia toned underpainting that you then build on top of was something that I have only very recently started doing with those brushes. And that is informed because of those brushes. And it is now something that I would actually fold into my process as a whole. Um, so yeah, pretty much the, the default Procreate brushes tweaked to how I like them. And then recently these new Max Packs oil brushes are really fun. Again, I had to tweak them a lot because they're quite, um, they emulate paint really well, but almost to the point that they can be a little unpredictable. And I like to be, I like to know what my next mark is going to be. And, you know, it is exciting putting a mark down and letting gravity and paint, you know, do its thing. But sometimes you just want to be a bit more precise. So I had to rein them in a little bit, but, um, yeah, those are, that's pretty much all I use. And is there any work coming from you? This isn't from anybody, by the way, this is a question from me. Do you have any pieces we can expect to see over the next few months? Uh, yeah. Um, there's like in terms of licensed stuff, there's stuff in the pipeline that I will let itself sort of unveil in due time, but there's, there's all, I'm always making stuff you know, fan art and things like that. Like I recently did um, a portrait of Kami from the bear that I, I really enjoyed making and I'm maybe going to make some more of those. But um, in terms of stuff that I've already done, there's posters that I did for, I did one for Uncut Gems, which was one of those ones where I tried to not rely on anything, um, you know, in terms of portraits and, and likenesses and things like that um, and just be very conceptual with. Um, I've done a, a bunch of, 
I, I, I want to kind of, I've done a lot of comic book stuff, right? And, and I, there is, a, there's an element of wanting to sort of broaden away from that. So yeah, I've done a lot of work recently that isn't in that realm at all. Um, but yeah, there's Uncut Gems. I've done some stuff. Uh, Nomadland, I've done a, I did a poster for. Um, a couple of like small scale things that are just kind of more concepts for uh, the film Pig, the Nicolas Cage movie. Um, American Psycho, uh, Come and See. Um, uh, Blade Runner 2049. Um, yeah, I've got, a, I've got pieces based around all of these that are kind of in the bank, um, that I'll, I'll hopefully share soon. And then yeah, some, some stuff that's not based on any IP at all. So portraits of, you know, I did a, I did a portrait of my girlfriend recently with those, those brushes to kind of use it as a, an example to sort of train myself in how to use them. Um, and I, I really enjoyed doing that. So, um, yeah, more sort of portraits that are just portraits and not, not necessarily based on any, any existing IP or anything like that. But, um, yeah, there's, there's a few, there's a few things that are, that are in the can. Um, and then yeah, other stuff that's been sitting for a while, um, that has been finished and for one reason or another, um, licenses and galleries and whatnot. I can't share yet, but, um, some of my favorite work, I think there's, there's a piece in particular that I think is one of my favorite pieces that I've ever done. And it's been sat finished for nearly a year now <laughs> and I really want to get it out there. So, um, yeah, when it's out there, I'll tell you that that's the one that I've been waiting to, to get out <laughs> and hopefully people like it as much as I do. Cause yeah, I think it's one of my, one of my best pieces, but yeah, we'll see. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing it. It sounds like you've got a lot to be uh, sort of waiting around for and, and and to share eventually. So I think there's going to be a lot of things for people to get excited about. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> cool. Well, that's what it brings me to the end of this podcast. This is actually, I think, going to be one of the longest ones I've done. So yeah, far. sorry, everybody. Everybody's going to be so bored. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. This was great. Honestly, you, 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 this is a great episode. And, uh, you know, the insights you've given have it's been really helpful. It's just me saying be passionate and trust the process. Just and trust the process. That's this, my answer to everything. That's, it's definitely going to be the title, <laughs> by the way. I'm not kidding. I, it's, going to be, it's going to be on all the, the graphics online. <laughs> trust the process. I'm oh, actually going to no. change the whole the whole podcast yeah, logo. I changed it to my bio and all my socials. Oh, yeah. Grim. <laughs> trust the process. Quotation marks. Oh, this is it. like your catchphrase. Oh, I hate it so much. <laughs> but no, honestly, thank you for joining me. You've you've been a great guest. No, and, thank you uh, for having me. Have a have a great rest of your week. Yeah, thanks so much, mate. That was, that was good fun. Thank you for listening to the Posters by Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. You can help fund this series directly by becoming a Posters by Pro member. You'll be given access to extended versions of each and every episode, discounts with our partners, and a whole lot more. Simply head over to posterspy.com pro. If you're looking for daily design inspiration, visit posterspy.com and follow us on Twitter at Posterspy for all of the latest updates.